Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan, and this is just a quick reminder that you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or whatever app you listen to us on. We love feedback, so if you have anything to tell us, get in touch on Facebook and Twitter at IT Women's Podcast. And you can always email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. Now, today we have something very different for you. Mary Fleming and Anne Engel are both 78 and are in the same weekly creative writing group in Dublin. Anne, as regular listeners will know, is a member of our Women's Podcast Book Club and she is also the mother of our co-producer, Roisin Engel. Mary and Anne meet each week to write short fiction pieces and discuss books and they get along very well. But they diverge on one important issue being debated at the moment and guess what that is? It's the abortion referendum. How older women will vote is something that we want to look at in this episode and by older we mean women over the age of 60. That includes me. Many have have been through pregnancies, who have seen their own children experience pregnancy, who have experienced the highs and lows of being a woman in Ireland and who perhaps have had experiences themselves around sex and fertility and loss that they haven't been able to speak about. But I can tell you between the three of us, I think we've been through practically everything that life has to offer. Good and bad. Women over 60 have spent longer listening to the anti-abortion rhetoric of the Catholic Church since starting school at aged four or five. They lived in an island of Magdalene laundries and mother and baby homes. They have memories of the marriage bar when women had to leave civil service jobs and bank jobs to get married. They lived in a country where divorce was illegal and then made legal by referendum, where contraception was illegal until the law changed. And they lived through a time when even the right to travel for an abortion or even to get information about an abortion was illegal until the law changed. So, how are they going to vote on May 25th? Well, only time will tell, but in the meantime, to try and get an insight into this, Mary Fleming and Anne Ingall are here to discuss their views on the referendum and the experiences that shaped those views. Anne is a committed yes voter, which many listeners will know, while Mary, her friend, will be voting no on May 25th. We asked them both into the Women's Podcast studio to share their views and talk to each other about their reasons behind their voting decision. You can expect a robust exchange because Anne and Mary are well accustomed to exchanges across the floor at their writing group. So, you know, they're both well able to handle this. You're both very welcome to the Women's Podcast. Mary, I'm going to start with you. You're undergoing chemotherapy at the moment. Can you just tell us a bit briefly about how that's going? Well, it's going very well. It's not full chemotherapy in the sense that it's a diluted version. So it's just a safeguard because of an operation I had to make sure that nothing comes back and consequently I can stop this at any stage if I feel it's too much. But so far 
it's been going well. Uh, just feel a bit tired and on certain days, it's, it's, it's a cycle from the day you get the chemotherapy to the halfway stage, your bloods are going down and then they come back up again. So at the halfway stage, you'd be very tired. But other than that, I must say, it hasn't been too bad. Well, you're a shiny example to us all. You got out of bed this morning and came in to talk to us. And that says something about your grit, Mary. Um, now, you have four children, including one set of twins. Exactly. Um, and um, you didn't actually know you were going to have twins, did you? I didn't know uh, until, well, it was about three weeks before they were due. My uh, obstetrician at the time went away to America and came back and took one look at me and said, you've got very big since I went away. I think I'll do an X-ray and... Lo and behold, the x-ray showed I was expecting twins. So I was told to pack a case and have it ready, which I did. And my poor husband was going around with the case in the back of the car. And I actually went two weeks over. (laughs) So they had to bring me in and induce me (laughs) eventually. (laughs) So that was my experience. (laughs) And was your experience of childbirth generally a good one, Mary, back then? It was. Was yeah. I went to Hollis Street to have the children, and uh, in general, yes, it was good. There wasn't a lot of frills attached to it. Like it wasn't. I, I heard of people going to private nursing homes and all the pampering they got. Now in Hollis Street, you just did what you were told, and that was it. Did you feel respected? I did. Yes, there was a, a drive on at that time to uh, breastfeed the children, and. Uh, I did try with the twins, but I didn't succeed. But other than, there was a little bit of pressure there, but not not a whole lot. Here, yeah, and it's much greater now, I believe. Yes, yes. So, Mary, you were you you were you were born a Catholic. I was yes, and uh, I went to convent school, the Sisters of Charity, and secondary school was also Sisters of Charity. So uh, that was my. Now, what year, what, year, what, what year would you have left school, secondary school? Ooh, uh, I don't know, I suppose I was about 16 at the time, so mm. that would be what? If you subtract that. <laughs> 63 years. 63 years ago? Yeah. Uh, so, Mary, you have been through almost everything that um, modern life has thrown at people in terms of referendums mm-hmm. and... Uh, divorce, divorce. Was the first yeah, one yeah. were two divorce, yeah. two divorce referendums. All of that. When you were when you were going through secondary school and being taught by nuns, were you taught this was all a mortal sin? Is that what you came out of school with? You were told, but it wasn't really emphasised at the time. I mean, when you're that age, you're not kind of mixed up. In that. Well, in those days, you weren't sexually aware really until you were you, you were nearly leaving school so it didn't come into it we had a much simpler style of life then as kids we were kids and we didn't we didn't have television for instance until very late on and even then the television wasn't as sophisticated as it is now like we were watching black and white films and things like that so I didn't feel aware of that kind of thing. Like we were interested in sport, and in, I loved dancing, all right, and I used to go to the dances and that. But it was all uh, much simpler for me, anyway. 
So there was no, there was a, there was the air no, didn't feel sexualised, there was no, none of that and, and I didn't really feel until the, the, the referendum to put the eighth in that, that uh, there was any kind of real urgency about that kind of thing. And it was then like it hit me like a ton of bricks that the unborn infant had no rights. I, and that was kind of a revelation to me at that stage because it wasn't something that was on my mind at the, up to that stage. Well, on the other hand, Mary, there was, a, there, was a, there was a a crime sort of going back to the 1800s, uh, which severely criminalised women. Really. So whereas the, 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 the fetus might have had no rights, uh, the woman actually could have been punished as a criminal. Were you aware right. of that? I wasn't, no, because, as I say, it was a, a simpler time, and I didn't... That, I don't know whether it was just my family or what. That it didn't come into our uh, discussions at home or things like that. And even the nuns didn't like they. They kind of glossed over it. You were given a, an overall view, which didn't kind of go into particulars. I think they were kind of embarrassed about it, really. About all of about, all those about th- anything to do with, like I, I don't remember uh, sexual education in school as such. Anything I was told was at home. So, Mary, nothing was ever really challenged then? No, not not uh, in my uh, situation. And the uh, first time you became aware of, of, of issues around uh, the the uh, the fetus was when when that referendum came in 1983? Exactly. Otherwise, yeah. you were going through life quite happily. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And then your impression was that the fetus has no rights yes, yeah. and that everything was dangerous around exactly the child in the yeah, womb yeah, yeah. so you voted for the amendment well, in did, 1983 yeah. <laughs> and have you challenged yourself since about this I have all? I've read up about it and I have like uh, I've listened to arguments but it comes back with me to when I saw the first time a scan and the beating heart of a baby and I just couldn't reconcile that with abortion and that's the way I still feel, that uh, the baby is a baby at that stage. And like so while I wouldn't, wouldn't sanction murder in the sense that I wouldn't go out and kill somebody, I still I feel that uh, abortion is killing a baby. And that's, I can't get away from that point. And do you feel that applies, Mary, in every single case without exception? Well, that's what I have thought long and hard about. And the thing that comes to mind is like there are so many people nowadays who would love to adopt a child and there are no children for adoption. And I feel that if people got proper counselling and proper help, that maybe we could come to a stage where these babies would be allowed to live and if they wanted to be adopted by other people, if the mother couldn't keep them. I still can't get over the fact that it's killing somebody. And do you remember uh, the famous X case? I do. Which was around the time of I that, do, of yeah, that uh, yeah, the amendment, yeah, the amendment yeah, was introduced. Yeah. Do you remember thinking what would happen if she were your daughter? I do. She was just for the benefit uh, of people yeah, uh, who might not yeah, know, no, yeah. she was raped by uh, uh, the father of a friend. 
and she was only 14. And it actually divided this country in a way that we haven't seen before or since. So what were you thinking during that time, Mary? Well, I was soul-searching naturally the way everybody was. But I just can't get over fact that there's a child being like why should an innocent baby suffer because of what somebody else did that's my thinking on it I suppose what we'd say Anne would be that you have a grown girl who has been through a most awful trauma Mm. and she is then expected to carry a child at an age Mm -hmm. where she is actually physically unfit for it I mean, there's a case which is causing absolute mayhem in Spain at the moment where a girl, an 18-year-old, was raped by five men. Now, they were acquitted, and it's causing there are enormous street demonstrations and everything about it. But supposing, Mary, she had become pregnant as a result of that, of being raped by five men, do you still think she should carry that baby to term? I'm afraid I do, yes, because, I, as I say, I can't get over this. It's there in my brain and I cannot get over it. But I do think that we are very remiss in the way we treat these people, that there isn't counselling, there isn't proper care and they are stigmatised by other people even though it's not their fault what happened. I do know that there are people who point the finger and, you know, but I can't help how I feel. Yeah. And I, I just, like, if it were my own daughter, I would hope that I would get the proper care for her, treat her properly, and then if a baby was born from that, I would say she would have the option to have it adopted if she wanted. And what do you think your own daughter would have said to that? What would they say now, for example? Well, I don't think they would agree with me. And because they are modern, they were brought up in a different... Well, they had a Catholic upbringing at home, but school life for them was very different to what it was for me. Mm. And I don't think they would have the same opinions that I have. Supposing, Mary, your daughter had been Savita, supposing she'd been in a position where she asked for her delivery to be expedited I'll put it no more strongly than that and they wouldn't do that as long as the fetal heart was beating how would you have felt then? Well I wasn't in that position and it's very hard to to put yourself in that position but as I understand it it wasn't the lack of abortion that was her cause of death, it was sepsis and that can occur whether or not and an abortion is performed, you know. Well, all the reports showed, Mary, that it was the delay in the delivery that caused that to mm. kill her. But why was the, de- the delay? I don't, uh, I don't think we've heard the whole story of that. Uh, I could never get, like... She asked for the, for uh, the thing to be expedited, and it wasn't. But whose fault was it that it wasn't expedited? Well, the miscarriage was inevitable. Yeah. So they delayed mm. because yeah. of the Eighth Amendment, which said that as long as the fetal heart was beating, mm. that they couldn't interfere with that. They could not. Ex- they could not hurry on the the uh, mm. the miscarriage. And, and that's 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 one of the problems with the Eighth mm. Amendment. Um, 
Would that give you pause now? Well, as I've heard it, no, I've heard doctors arguing about this and they say that they would never allow a mother to die. And like you have to take somebody's word for something at, at some stage. And I think doctors, their whole attitude in life is to save life. So they're not going to deliberately let a woman die because of the... I don't, I don't believe they would. Well, the reports say that was a big factor, Mary. Mm. Anne, um, before we talk about your life and your conditioning, um, tell me what you think of the Savita case. Would you, do you agree with Mary on that? Well, it was interesting what Mary just said there. The doctors want to save lives. So the doctors chose to save the life of a, a fetus and wasn't a person yet and deny the right to life of a fully grown person. That's what I think about that. See, Mary doesn't believe it was about abortion at all. She believes it was because Savita developed sepsis. Yes, and and that she might not have died. I'm not saying 100% that she would have stayed alive, but she might not have died if they'd had taken the, the fetus away. You know, she would have had more chance of living. So at the end, terror tragedy, the, both of them died. There was no, there was, the fetus died and the mother died and there was no good outcome to that situation whatsoever. So Anne, you had very different upbringing to Mary. You were brought up in heathen England. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What happened? How are you? So you're not conditioned in any way that we recognise. No, not in any way that you recognise. But when I became pregnant uh, at the age of 21 by a man who had only been in my life a couple of months who was Irish and a wild Irish man. Um, the stigma attached to that was every bit as much as those poor girls who went into the homes here in Ireland and went abroad and were sent up to Dublin if they were from the country. It was every bit as bad as that. That's a really important point, Anne, because we attribute a lot of things to Catholicism and the conditioning of Catholicism. But mm. in fact, for you, it was just as bad. Absolutely. Can you explain this? Well, I, I, had, I was working as a teacher in Pittman's College at the time, unqualified teacher, but I was going to go to college in Leeds the following year to train as a teacher. I had, uh, I had a, a loving family. I had a father who worshipped the ground I walked on. I was the youngest in the family. And I knew that it, was, it wouldn't be accepted. It wouldn't be accepted. Nobody would want... It would, it would just not be right, you know, it wouldn't be right. And, it, and I was told, in fact, by my brother that it would kill my father if he knew that this had happened to me. I was this golden child, the one who was going to do great things, you know, um, and this would be the worst thing that could possibly happen to me, that I would become pregnant outside of marriage. Uh, so I went ahead then and I had an abortion. So I am that murderer that um, Mary would think, I, you know, I had, I had an abortion um, but unfortunately, it was 1960 in England, and at that time, you um, it was illegal. So I had what was known as a backstreet abortion, which was not not a nice experience at all, a uh, very tragic experience. But I wasn't alone doing that. There were lots of girls, and there were all sorts of reasons uh, that girls were having the same way as they are today, having abortions. You know, so. I had that, that happened to me, and um, do you know what? I didn't have any um, 
thought of it being a baby, I actually was thinking about me and my father and my family and something that was just a little, well, it's because my little fingernail didn't really strike me as a living entity because it couldn't speak. It didn't wasn't like me. It had a life, had a future, you know. But there's no getting away from it. As Mary would say, I murdered that baby. But do you know what? I don't have a conscience about it because I know that at that time it was the right thing for me to do. And Mary mentioned stigma, and she believes there's still stigma attached to being pregnant outside wedlock. Now, I don't see it that much nowadays. Uh, Do you see stigma around it now? Would you make the decision, the same decision again? Uh, Well, yeah, my circumstances were such that I just, I couldn't have, I couldn't have at that time, I couldn't have had a baby. I wouldn't have known what to do with the baby. I I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to financially, physically, mentally be able to cope. I mean, having said that, uh, Cathy, I went on to have eight children, do you know. So, I mean, it's not as if I don't like babies. I love babies. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've been a good mother, I think. I'm a maternal kind of a person. But I have no conscience. I have no regret. You call me a murderer if you like. But for me at that time, if I'd have had that baby, I certainly would have had another eight, I don't believe. I think my life would have been very much impacted by that. I mean, one can't look back. You can't say what would have happened. This would have happened, that would have happened. But at the time, for me, I just wanted that to go away. I wanted to go away and live my life and find out what was going to happen to me without being impeded by a, a, a pregnancy. Like, yeah. And we've kind, of, we've kind of glided past the actual abortion. Um, now, a lot of people know this story, but just tell us a little bit about what happened in that backstreet abortion. OK, well, I don't think a lot of people know about it, but some would have done, because I did stand on the stage of the Olympia when there were about 2,000 people, so at least 2,000 people know about it. Um, it was it was an absolutely horrific experience, which I don't like to bring to mind too often. Um, you know, there was no medical help. There was no, And, you know, the other thing I was thinking the other day is, how did I know I was pregnant anyway? Because there were no little things that you we on and stuff like that no it was because I had missed the period and I was feeling sick and I told my brother and he said okay let's sort this out so I don't know how he made the contact but I just know that I was taken in in his car to this house not too far it was at the east end of London not too far from where I lived at the time um it's cold dark night it was the evening time he knocked on the door and I went in. And there was just a woman there with some equipment and um, I was told to lay down the couch and take off my underwear, which I did. And there was this enormous, it looked enormous, maybe it's got bigger in my mind as the years have gone by, a funnel and um, jug. And uh, I lay there and this, this liquid, whatever it was, was poured into me. And she said, stay there, stay there. And I stayed for maybe half an hour or so. And then she said, get up, it's all over. She said, the baby is gone. And I said, what baby? Because to me, it wasn't a baby. I didn't think of it as a baby. It was just something that had happened to me. I had sex with somebody without taking the proper precautions and that was what was going on. So I went out into the night, into that car, and we drove home. And the interesting thing is that it didn't even work. It didn't work. No. No. I went home and um, 
it wasn't all over. A uh, few days went by and nothing had happened. And it was decided that, well, then I'd have to get married. I had to get married then. Nothing would do but that I had to get married. I had known my husband maybe three months. Uh, he was working as a labourer in the West End of London. I had a future before me which was now going to fall to pieces. It wasn't the custom for married women to go to college and, or maybe the very posh people did, but ordinary people like me didn't. So I got married very quickly and um, I was married maybe three or four weeks and I was lying in the bed one night and I started to bleed. And I started to bleed and I started to bleed and I didn't stop bleeding the whole night. There were towels kept being thrown into the room and everything like this, but nobody nobody called a doctor. I was living with my brother and his wife at the time, but nobody called a doctor because I know now that they were probably frightened that it would be it would be seen that something had happened to me, that I had attempted an abortion and that's they were, could have been persecuted for that because it was all illegal. So I lay there all night, and it must have been about 9 o'clock when they decided to call the family doctor because obviously they knew the family doctor wasn't going to make any waves. And then an ambulance came and took me to hospital, and um, I got the treatment, and that was that. But by this stage, I was married, um, married, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he said, this is the reason we got married, and it's gone now. Uh, what was going to happen for the rest of our lives, you know? Um, I, I mean, I thought that a lot. I don't know about him, but that was how it happened. Mary, you've heard this story from your yes. very good friend. Yeah, I have, yeah. And what that do you is. think when you hear it? Well, it's a very tragic story. I mean, it's typical of what happened at the time, really. And as Anne said, it wasn't the Catholic Church that did it for her, but it, it happened as well. But it wasn't unusual at that time. I mean, it happened to so many people. And the homes where these women that you mentioned were sent to grew up out of this culture of the, the stigma that was around it. It was a, a kind of ignorance, I suppose. People just didn't realise what you, was happening. But you personally weren't aware of it. I this. wasn't aware of it. No, no I wasn't. You, did you kind of sail through life for a long I, time? I, I, I did because like, uh, there was a certain innocence there that I just... Yeah, like, she is a very innocent woman, really. <laughs> As I say, we didn't get an in-depth sex education in school. We didn't, like, the nuns were did just... Did any at all? Not really, no. no. And even at home, like, my mother handed me a book when my period started to explain it. She didn't talk about it to me. Like, mm. it was a taboo subject. But you weren't... I read about it. You didn't know any girls who had no, taken I didn't. the boat, as we used I, to say. I, d I didn't, no. And that's not to say that some of my friends might have, but they would have known that I kind of was a bit innocent about these things and they, they wouldn't have... Mm. Kind of, it wasn't that I would have been unsympathetic now in, in a situation like that, but no, I just didn't. It didn't dawn on me. Do you feel? How do you feel about me now, Mary? After me saying all that, I feel, feel so sorry that I, I feel as if I've been accusing you here without knowing <laughs> what. And it's not. It doesn't make me feel any different about you. I know what the situation was at the time, and. I am only talking about my feelings and I know other people have different feelings and I don't blame them for that. Right, but I can't good. help the way I feel. That's 
what has been instilled into mm. me and it's there and at my age now I'm not going to change <laughs> I just like it's it's been part of my life and, and my belief and I get a lot of consolation I know when my husband died and that from the church I go and I pray and that's what other people might do yoga or they might do whatever that's that's my life uh, lifeline I appreciate that and and I think the way I do and I can't help that Mm. but in no way do I blame you or any other woman that have abortion that's not not see that that's a crucial point that I think I don't uh, blame you for thinking what you think but do you really believe that you have the right to tell another woman what she should do with her life and her body you know, do you do you feel that you have that right? Because for, for, for me, when you vote no, you are denying the women of Ireland the right to choose what they want to do with their lives. But I don't believe I am denying them because since this article went into the Constitution, it gives the baby rights that it didn't have before. But it doesn't deny the mother rights. And when this article, if it goes through... We're handing over to the politicians the power to say what's going to happen next. Nobody is telling us. They're saying, oh, we're going to bring in this and we're going to bring in that. We don't know. They could be out of power next week and another crowd did, and they have different ideas. Yeah, so, yeah. so somebody is going to make a decision, and it won't be the woman in the case. Yeah, but if a woman is pregnant in this jurisdiction now and she feels for whatever reason... She can't go forward with that pregnancy. She is going to have an abortion. She's decided. She is making a choice. But unfortunately, she has to go and get a boat and go over to England and be all alone and do that. I mean, it was bad enough for me, what happened to me, but this is something similar, that you can't be at home with your loving partner even, because very many women have abortions. who've had a lot of children. They can't feel like they can have any more. But do you, you, that's a choice a woman has to make. And it's not an easy one because nobody wakes up and says, oh, goody, goody, it's abortion time today. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't happen. And But I, I think that by saying no, I feel that you are denying that woman the right to have medical treatment and to be looked after by people she loves in her own country. You, you know very well, Mary, that there are going to be abortions whether you vote yes or no. They're going to go to England one way or the other. Mary, do you believe we do have abortion in this country already? Oh, we do have abortion in this country already. We do. Is that because you believe because that they, it's happening in Irish hospitals or because so many women are going abroad for well, abortion? Well, they're getting the, the abortion pill the or pills. whatever. Yes. You know, I'm not, I just feel that countries that have allowed abortion, it, it just kind of goes off the scale straight away. It, it gives a permission... To younger people, particularly, I think, take that as, a, oh, this is normal. But, but Mary, it's a horrible thing to have an abortion. It's a horrible thing to come to the decision because when we are, we're all human like yourselves and a lot of Catholic women would have had that same feelings in their head that, that it is a, a murder of a child. Um, so it isn't an easy thing. It isn't an easy way out. And today we have lots more contraception. In my day, actually, in that 1960s when I had the abortion I'm not making any excuses but the, the pill wasn't there you know what I mean and um, I believe there was 
Durex is what they called it then. And uh, uh, he didn't seem to know about that either, whatever way. But, you know, now we have um, we have all that. And, and I do believe that most people do. And very people use a pill and then find it doesn't work and that kind of thing. But I just feel that... Um, you know, accidents happen. There's spur of the moment things. There's all sorts of reasons. There's a woman who's had five children, and just another one is going to push her over the edge. You know, and there's that little twelve-year-old girl who's been raped by her father. You know, I mean, we have to think about those people. And if you say no, you're denying those people their own choice, their own ability to think for themselves and look after themselves. It, you know, I'm, what I'm saying: Who are you to tell a woman what to do? Well, the other thing is, if you say yes you're opening the floodgates to abortion on demand because that's what will happen eventually. Well, I think we have to trust our politicians to a certain extent. We have the vote. We vote. We have a vote, and we can vote for politicians who are going to do the right thing. Yeah, and we vote for them when they say what they're going to do, but they change their mind as soon as they get Mm. in, a lot of them. Barry, can I say, a politician can't force a woman to have an abortion. Mm. Nobody has to have an abortion. Mm. Say if your daughter decided in the secrecy of her heart and her head that she needed to an, uh, an abortion. Um, do you think it's your right to deny her that choice? I think women have to choose for themselves what they want to do, but they don't have to force it on everybody else. Like it's just, It works both ways. Uh, if abortion is brought in, I have no say against it then. You're, like, you're <laughs> but what are you but, saying no to? I mean, I'm saying no to, to abortion on demand, and that's what what will, it will be if they take away. And the, how do you feel the situation is being improved by doing that? If it's already happening, if there are women suffering in silence and alone, and in pain, in physical pain as well as emo- emotional and mental, how is voting no going to help that situation? I tell you, one experience I had that really opened my eyes was I went to the opening of the Special Olympics in Croke Park. And that was a day of pure joy. Absolutely, yes. And those children that came in, the light on their faces was something else. And the amount of people in Ireland that went out of their way to help all these people. Now, I feel if abortion on demand comes in, a lot of those children won't be there because if somebody is diagnosed with a... Down syndrome baby. The temptation is there to. Anna, has Mary a point? Yes, she has a point, definitely. Um, I can see where she's coming from on that. Um, I I have uh, met uh, some Down syndrome people myself. I wasn't at Croke Park, but I saw it on the television. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely wonderful experience. Um, But uh, I, I don't know the actual uh, medical things here, but I think you have to be a certain amount of weeks pregnant before you actually know whether you're going to have a Down syndrome baby. And the present uh, law that they're going to bring here, I think, is up to 12 weeks, is it? The, uh, the politicians are suggesting it's up to 12 weeks. Um, so I don't necessarily feel that that's going to happen. And I do believe the statistics say in Holland, where there there is abortion, there are, are still a number of... Um, down syndrome babies born so I, I don't know necessarily if, if that is but I do appreciate what you're saying I do appreciate the fact that a person will then be able to choose whether they have a child who maybe will have down syndrome or some other handicap um, whether they I, I can't deny that that is a possibility 
The other thing Mary argues um, is that this will normalise abortion for this country. That, that it kind of gives permission to young people to think, well, I can take risks now because I can just get those pills. No, because having an abortion, even today when uh, you have medical help, uh, and those pills, thats what the pills really frightened me because I went through that experience that I went through. And I think it's so dangerous for a person to get pills in the post for a start. You don't know what they are. And you're taking them all alone. You take one one day, the next day you have to take more. And there's a lot of pain involved. And if you're doing that all on your own, I think that's that's a terrible thing to do. But that's going off the point. You were asking me the question, what, Kathy? You were saying... Um, that about normalising. Normalising, yes. yeah. yeah. You see, I just, I just know from experience that it is not a happy thing to go and have an abortion. It's not something one would choose to do. It's much better to be on the pill. It's much better to, 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 to make the right decisions. But at the same time, nobody wants to have it. So I don't think that people are going to rush in willy-nilly to have an abortion just because everybody goes and says yes. I don't think that's going to happen. I just can't believe that's going to happen. And does anybody in your family argue against your standpoint? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, what about yours? Well, I know uh, that uh, some of my children would not agree with me in that. But that's their choice. I mean, exactly. I don't really believe in trying to force anybody to do anything. And I understand that they come from a different educational system to what I went through or to the, the conditions on the ground were much different in my day to theirs. So... I think they have a right to make up their own minds. They are adults now. I did my best for them, bringing them up and educating them. And they, I feel that they they are able to make their own choice now. And that's and do you decision. talk openly about it? I mean, oh, I do, for example, yes. you know, I was I was impressed that, that Anne did use the word murder uh, when you didn't. Yeah. You were very gentle in your language, but Anne did talk about murdering babies. Um, do you talk, do, 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 would your daughters use that kind of language or do you feel that kind of language is not used enough? Well, I feel that my daughters know my views from way back and they're not going to bring the subject up if it's going to cause a row. <laughs> not a, a physical row as such, but if it's going to be argumentative and it's going to cause uh, friction, it just isn't brought up in front of me. I know they do among themselves, all right. Yeah, they know they're not going to change your mind right. anyway. Yeah, they know that they know that, that, that they won't change my mind, yeah. Do you feel, Mary, that there's enough talk? Do, do you feel that there are enough people defending your side? Do you hear, do you I, hear people who sound like you? I think a lot of the people of my persuasion would, would be kind of... They feel they're in the minority and they feel they're you know outnumbered there are certain poster people in the campaign who are completely out there talking about it but the people that are moderate in their thinking like they're afraid to broach the subject because they're pounced on immediately and particularly by younger people and you're kind of oh she's a normal funny duddy she's not going to you know and consequently they're staying silent Mm. A lot of them. So yeah. you believe there is a silent minority that there is, isn't yeah. speaking well, out? Yeah. Mary, do you believe that... Is there any circumstance in which you would say, yes, that fetus should be aborted? Is there any circumstance? Like, I'm talking about a 12-year-old, 13-year-old child being 
uh, raped by her father, which unfortunately this has happened, does happen, would you not think that it would be right for that little girl to have an abortion? When you generalise it, I'd say no. If I was faced with that thing, I don't know how I'd react. I really don't. And I think it has to come to that before you... Yeah, because, I appreciate Because it's so ingrained in me that, as a general, I'd say no. But I, I just can't say that if I was faced with, say, mm. one of my own children or mm. somebody else. Mm. Yeah. It would be very, very difficult in that situation. I think a lot of people have been, have been, have been persuaded by meeting people who have been in that very vulnerable mm. situation, Mary. So I must mm. say I appreciate your honesty about that. Um, will you feel, Mary, that, 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 that life will go back to nice and normal again if there is a no vote? I don't think not. life doesn't tend to go backwards. It tends to go forwards. And there's a lot of things have come out in this that will change people's thinking and people and it may make a lot of people think about the subject more which would be a good thing mm. you know and how will you feel if there's a yes vote oh I'll deal with it as you have to deal with everything that comes along I mean hopefully it will be a fair election and the voice of the majority will have to prevail and that's it but it won't change my mind Fair enough. And how will you feel if there's a no vote? Well, I can't go back to England because they've got Brexit over there, so where the hell am I going to do? <laughs> no, I, I would be very disappointed. I'd be very unhappy um, if that happened because I think we're just exporting a, a problem at the moment to Britain and elsewhere. And, you know, just as a point, um, in England, having an abortion, there are restrictions even there still to this day. It isn't just straightforward. And you do have to have two doctors who uh, sanction it, etc. So it isn't just a blanket thing. But if it, if it's yes, I will be very happy. And I do not think there'll be a whole load of people rushing out to have abortions or to have, you know, sex, you know, without taking precautions. I don't think that is going to happen for sure. And I do trust, especially the politicians, Simon Harrison at the moment, I do trust them to make the right decision uh, regarding the legislation around abortion. So if it's yes, I will be very happy. If it's no, well, I'll have to concede defeat in my uh, views and respect people like Mary and lots of others who have their view. Will you cry for a week? <laughs> no, I won't cry. I'll scream! <laughs> Mary, you've listened to Anne. Um, you're not going to change your mind. You've been very honest about that. Will it impact your friendship at all? Not at That's all. a very profound thing you're disagreeing on not here. Not at all, no. Uh, it wouldn't be part of our friendship. Uh, I didn't know about Anne. And, uh, it didn't make any difference when she told me that. I mean, it wouldn't change my way of thinking of Anne or anything. On the point about the English thing you were saying... I heard one broadcast saying that the abortion pills are being used in England in a huge number, even though they have basically abortion on demand over there, which surprised me. You know that people would use the, the yes, the you could pills. still you can still use the pills, but you usually get them from the doctor and you're under medical supervision, even mm -hmm. though you don't have to go into a clinic. Yeah. You see, yeah. that's the thing. And, and that's what people here are, a lot, are frightened of, I think. Uh, there's going to be lots of clinics all around the place, you know, but mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen so much. Ideally, 
the hospital would be the place you'd go because then, you know, it looks like a normal thing to happen. I think the the pills are a game changer by the sound of things. As Anne says, I think there will be no clinics dotted all over the place. It will be a much more private... It will, I think it will be genuinely between the woman and her doctor. But it is, a, it is painful. It's not just like taking a pill, Cathy. You know, mm. If you take those abortion pills, I, I, it wouldn't be like what I went through, but at the same time, it's not a pleasant experience in any way, shape or form. Okay, so no one's going to change their minds. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, and I feel sorry for doctors who would think as I do, who will, if it is a yes vote, will be maybe forced to do abortions, or if they, if they object to doing abortions, they'll be kind of stigmatised about that. You know, there is that. Like if they have a conscience about the thing and want to abstain. Well, they have to abstain. And nurses as well. Yeah, but there's been yeah, there's so many other medical things that have happened regarding um, a woman's right to know what's going to happen to her body because there's been a, a Supreme Court case where a woman didn't want something to happen to her body and the medical profession said yes, you know. So it isn't just about abortion actually, mm-hmm. but we can't go into that and I can't because it's too technical and I don't really understand it all. <laughs> but at the same time, women constantly have been denied the right to say what should happen to their bodies. If a man has got appendicitis and he goes into the hospital and the doctor says, you have to have that out, and he says, no, I don't want it out, thanks very much, goodbye, I'm going, he can do that. But we seem to, when I say we, I mean women, don't seem to have the same rights as men. Well, can I just answer for Mary there in case Mary isn't going to say anything? (laughs) You're probably thinking a fetus is not an appendicitis problem. Uh, I think we leave it at that. <laughs> There's going to be no mind <laughs> change during this. No, thank but you it was so no. wonderful to have the two of you come in to talk so honestly, yeah. and that your friendship is will be, will, will, will sustain. <laughs> Still there. They're shaking hands across the table. It has been an honour to speak to the two of you. And whatever happens on May 25th, may we all remain kind and loving. Absolutely. Care, compassion, as and Mary, choice. As Mary says, we have learned so much more during this campaign so something will change thank you both very very much you're very welcome well I thought that was an amazing exchange and both women stuck to their guns and fair play to them that's all we have time for thanks to Anne Engel and Mary Fleming for being so open and honest about where they stand on the abortion issue We'll be bringing you plenty more on this subject before May 25th and trying to look at this from lots of different angles. It's a hugely important issue for women and we'll be reflecting that in the next few episodes. If you have anything you'd like to tell us about your views on this, do get in touch on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com or on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast. The podcast is produced by Roisin Ingle and by Jennifer Ryan with Jennifer Ryan on sound. I'm Cathy Sheridan and I'll talk to you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.